Hello and welcome tonight's, to tonight's session of Library Staff Love Learning Twitter Spaces. Um, I'm just going to spend the next few minutes trying to get everybody sorted. So hopefully we'll have um, some people with us. Hi Sabrina, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm going to add you as a um, co-host. Um, if you can request to speak as well, Sabrina, that would be useful. Um, I'm just going to see if I can... Lovely. Alison, hi. Brilliant. I have one speaker. <laughs> That's good. Okay, so Alison, can I get you to request to speak, please? Um, and then if I... If you request, I can then set you... Make sure that you can speak before we get started. So, Alison, you just on your screen, you should be able, if you're on your phone, if you're not on your phone, you need to get on your phone. Um, but you need to request to speak, I think. Lovely. Well done. Okay, so just why if anybody's listening in, we're just setting ourselves up before we start. But thank you for joining us if you are with us. Alison, can you speak to me? Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. hi. Hello. Hi. That's perfect. That works. Brilliant. Oh, okay. that's so exciting. I'll turn it off now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pause. Yeah, yeah, just mute yourself for a second. Um, okay, so I'm just waiting for... I've got Alison, so I'm waiting for Hayley. So let's see if I can go and find her. Um, uh, hello, Gaurav. That's great that you're listening. <laughs> it's nice to see people pop up. We're just getting ourselves sorted. Um Lovely, Haley's with us. So Haley, can you just request to speak, please? And I will set you up as a speaker. Um, Ruth has joined us as well. That's good. That means I have most people here. I'm going to try and do. Um, so Haley, you just need to request to speak. And once you've done that, uh, lovely, another request. Oh, it's going well tonight. <laughs> Okay, Hayley, do you want to just unmute yourself and say hello? We'll just check your, your um, speaker. Hello. Hello, that's good. Fantastic. Okay, so we can hear people. That is good stuff. All right, we've got a couple of minutes before um, we crack on and get started. Um, what I've just noticed, so this is for, actually, Ruth, see if I can make Ruth a co-host. That would be a good. And can I make... Sabrina a co-host just in case things go so hopefully they will be thank you Ruth you're now co-host so Sabrina you hopefully will be able to be co-host as well um one of the things that I've noticed that's really exciting for, for me anyway on the bottom right hand of your screen we now have a chat button which means that you can tweet directly to underneath the spaces chat um while we while we talk so if you've got something really wonderful to say um and you don't want to talk to us but you want to tweet us then then you can join in the conversation so yes absolutely a new toy <laughs> very exciting so um if you want to have a practice with that then then please feel free to do so um, I'm not sure whether I'll actually be able to manage um, looking at that chat as well as trying to host the chat, but but maybe Ruth and Sabrina will keep an eye on that for me. Um, so it's seven o'clock. Um, welcome to another um, 
Library Staff Love Learning Twitter Spaces. Um, we are tonight going to be talking about ebook collections in school libraries. Um, for those of you that have maybe never joined us before, I'm Elizabeth Hutchinson. I am an independent trainer and advisor for school libraries. And I believe that it's really important that we talk about topics related to school libraries more often. Um, it's We have this wonderful um, platform, Twitter Spaces, which means that we can voice our opinions and share our ideas and thoughts and actually get the message out to the wider world. So, you know, along with Ruth and Sabrina, both who are school librarians, we get together, we decide the topics, we invite speakers along, and and it's basically just to have a chat about, about what, what happens in school libraries and why it's so important. So tonight we have a couple of like a couple of guests from um, Belinda, um, ebooks supplier. I was at a conference, the Silip conference, back in oh I can't remember now April May maybe, and I was talking to Rachel who was on the stand, and. I'm always on the lookout for speakers, always on the lookout for people who can talk about something for me. And and we decided that maybe we should have a chat about ebooks. So as with all the best laid plans, um, unfortunately, Rachel is on holiday, so she can't join us tonight. So she's roped in Hayley and Alison, who hopefully will will talk to us about um, the importance of, of, of ebook collections and how um has covid one of the things that i was really interested about was the fact that prior to covid ebook collections were very difficult to get into school libraries um for me personally and and i must admit I, you know i'm talking not as an expert here we had an ebook collection that we bought into for the schools library service in guernsey and one of the big deals was the fact that it was really difficult to get the books to the children during COVID, though, obviously everything went online, didn't it? And we then became, ebooks became more prominent. But whether that's still the case as it's as it's gone back, I'm not so sure. Do you know, are the ebooks now getting into the hands of students, or or are they not? That's a few of my thoughts this evening. I'm not sure whether Sabrina has got a voice tonight. I know that she's had a bad um, throat. But, but Sabrina, can you tell me if if you've experienced ebooks and have you had an ebook collection in your school? I'm not sure. Hi everyone. Um, yeah, I'm just about here. Uh, teaching is fun with this. Uh, yeah, we got um, an e-library literally online the week before we went into lockdown the first time, um, as a means of letting our students get hold of books while they couldn't go anywhere. Um, and it was amazing to see so many borrows, not only from students, but also staff who have no foot in our library. Um, and it was really successful. And I was permanently updating the homepage on there. I was advertising new books all the time. And the kids were sending me requests and what they wanted to see, what I could get in for them. Uh, and it, though, during the lockdown, it was absolutely amazing to have this, this resource on hand. Um, and then obviously when we started coming back into schools, the number of borrows kind of dropped off quite gradually. Um, 
but I still do have it because I have regular students who use only the online library. They don't come into the physical library. And so I see it as an extra tool that I have with books that I can't fit on my shelves also on there. So, yeah, I do like them. You're doing really well, Sabrina, considering your voice sounds so bad. But I think I think you're right. I think that is the big deal, isn't it? Is the fact that that schools needed to get books into children's hands and, and online was the only way. And I wonder whether children are a bit like we are. I, I was very resistant to the Kindle. Um, I, I was determined to continue reading physical books because I like the smell, the touch, the feel. Um, I've, I'm a slight convert now. When I go on holiday, I like to take my Kindle with me. Um, but when I have the chance, I'll always go back to the physical books. And I wonder if that is what's happening. It's an interesting one. I'm I'm just so excited. We have somebody online tonight um, from Australia. Bless her, she's up at 4am in the morning. Um, would you mind um, requesting to speak and then you can come in because she is a librarian in Australia who will introduce herself. Um, I wasn't sure whether she was actually going to be able to come on tonight. Um uh, do you want to request to speak? I've got you down as Raf, Rafed Teach. Um, I can see you on there. Do you want to just request to speak and I'll bring you in? I know that she has an ebook collection herself. Um, so I'll see if she can manage this. But if not, anyway, um, while I'm waiting for her to, to join us, <coughs> um, I will ask um, uh, Alison if she'd like to come in and introduce herself. Alison, just tell us a little bit about what it is that you do um, and and what your role is and what your area of expertise as far as um, ebook collections are concerned. Okay. Hi, everybody. Um, okay, so, yes, I recently joined Belinda, um, literally two weeks ago as the new school sales manager. Um, my background is working for cross-publisher suppliers, selling print and digital and promoting ebooks pre-COVID and during COVID. <laughs> so I, I do feel your pain on how difficult that was then and how things changed during COVID. Um, and obviously Belinda have the largest sort of public library presence across the UK and we've been asked to you know schools obviously ask us to um, set up school libraries for them for ebooks so e and audio so um, really it's a combination of mixed formats that we're finding have the most success so um, yes I mean that's that's really I can tell you about how uh, we are um, working with schools and how they're receiving ebooks and and you know it, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag. We tend to work with schools and promote marketing for them, but what we want to know really, it's great to be on here to hear what you want as well. So yeah, absolutely, I think what you you've touched on a very interesting point, which is which is the audio side. <coughs> Sorry. Um I think when we all think about ebooks, we think about the like you know, like I mentioned, the Kindle, the 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 
physical um reading the book on a on a um uh whatever it's called a tool um but actually you know audio has is really coming into its play with podcasts and everything else do you see an uptake in the audio as opposed to the ebooks or do you think it's about equal at the moment no, I would I would say and Hayley would be better placed probably to 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 confirm but I I think that audio is definitely out um ranking e but e it tends to be uh, what I, I think is that there's a there's a, an appeal so if children are listening to audio um then they may well use the ebook as a result more likely you know depending whether it's for reading for pleasure or if it's a you know a textbook or you know this is the different ways that people have introduced ebooks into their schools aren't there so um but certainly i think if somebody's using our app they may see um have the audio first like you know we are used to having uh audible and uh, aren't we now and um and podcasts and so on so we can use audio books in the classroom or for our own use you know and actually i think it's definitely leads into um possibly using the having the ebook alongside a bit like we you know to a cd because it's just a streamed version so you, you can get the physical audio and i do think that they are very popular um definitely. yeah uh, and I think I think we're that it leads nicely into that diversity, isn't it? Is that we're supplying um, resources that that are accessible to all our students, rather than just some. Um, you know, one of the conversations I had with um, Rachel on the stand was the fact that um, uh, my sister is partially sighted, and actually um, we, you know, audio is is really important for her. And I'm sure that there must have been lots of students out there that that are in, in similar positions that actually it, it's now making all of these resources far more accessible, which is wonderful. Um, I'm going to bring in Ruth, who's got her hand up. Um, so if anybody wants to speak and join in, then raise your hand like Ruth has, which is wonderful. Um, come on in, Ruth. Tell us a little bit. Hi. So, um, yeah, we just to give you a bit of background, when I joined, before I joined, the students were asked if they wanted ebooks, and there was an absolute firm no, not interested. And then we did exactly that. When it came to COVID, we thought we've got to do something. We've got to provide them with something, so we gave audio. Uh, we gave ebooks, but not audio books. And the usage was a bit mixed and dropped off completely by the end. And so we haven't continued it. But what interests me is exactly that point about audiobooks. And I'm thinking particularly almost as a, a special uh, educational needs device, really. We have a lot of students with various special educational needs. And I always think, particularly exam texts, you can't you can only benefit from hearing them as well as reading them. And so that's something that I kind of feel is a gap for us is that I would like to be able to provide access to you know all our set texts um in audio form because I think it's a brings in a whole other set of skills and allows you to process their knowledge in a different way I'm a great fan of audiobooks but sadly we're not going to ever stretch to the to a collection in school I don't think 
Do you think then, Ruth, that there's, there are other ways around that? Do you think that, that we can possibly stretch to, um, uh, you know, making a collaboration with, with public library ebooks? Does that yeah, work? So, so what we do, and what I would always do, is point our students to the public library provision. So we, um, our local public libraries use Libby, which isn't a Belinda product, I don't think. I think that your product is Borrowbox, if I'm right. But it's a very similar platform. Um, and it does mean that they've got access to things. They can sign up from home. So if they're not already public library users, they don't need to go anywhere. They can do the whole thing from home, which for which me feels a gap. And I couldn't ever justify spending my budget on that provision because i know it's so easily provided already for them um Absolutely. so that is sort of catch 22 for me as you know much as i would like to provide that it's unjustifiable Absolutely. I'm just going to bring Hayley in now. Sorry to make you wait so long Hayley. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Do you want to come in and introduce yourself? Hi. Um, no problem at all. Um, hi, I'm Hayley. Um, I have worked at uh, Belinda for nearly five years now. Um, and I mainly um, look after the public library customers, um, whereas Alison is, is the school's specific um, lead here. So, um, so yeah, I've got... Um, quite a bit of experience in time um, seeing um, the growth of, of audiobooks in particular um, when you compare to, to e-books. Even before COVID, audiobook format was in much faster growth than e-book across the board. Um, and you'll, you'll find that in all sorts of stats across all publishers as well, um, is that because that's quite a unique thing for for libraries to be able to offer as well. Um, and people were sort of getting more knowledgeable of the audiobook format. Um, we still get people saying, oh, I didn't know that libraries did audiobooks digitally. Um, so it's kind of, you know, that was sort of the up and coming format compared to ebooks, which people were much more comfortable with and used to seeing. And so had made that connection for libraries to offer digital ebooks as well as print books but audio has been in much faster growth for um sort of the last three or four years um at least so what we do see across all of the stats for everybody is that um actually the loans for digital are staying right up there um at a level with uh, which is comparable to the peak of of covid lockdowns when people couldn't get books really anywhere else um you know the the stats are indicating that digital is is very much an important uh, consideration certainly for public libraries um in this day and age and going forward and the audiobook is very much driving um, the loans and driving the ebook loans as well. So, you know, e audiobooks, as we're saying, really increases your accessibility in terms of, of books. It's, it's helpful for obviously visually impaired um, readers, but also when you think about um, reluctant readers as well, you know, if you're looking at set texts and there's you know something that that maybe is a little a little dry in the written form but actually someone can perform that to you or a group of people can perform that to you in a similar way as um, maybe sometimes 
people might watch a film instead of reading the book actually listening to the audio book gives you that full book um you know without it being abridged at all so you still have that full experience and you've had that performed to you that's fantastic absolutely and i and i so agree it's interesting isn't it that that um people seem to be able to access they like accessing the audio less so for the ebooks what i found was when when we were trying to promote the ebooks in in a school that one of the barriers was the fact that you couldn't actually physically see them obviously if you walk into a school library the books are all on the shelves they they're easy to promote um the ebook collections were so much more difficult but i wonder whether if they're looking for something that they really want, which is the audio, then they may find them because they want them. I, I wonder if that that's the that's the bridge that needs to be that the, needs to be made. It's an interesting one. Okay, before I bring Ruth and Sabrina in, I'm just going to bring in Raf. She's four o'clock in the morning, twenty past four now, and has joined us from Australia. Please introduce yourself and say hello. Good morning, good morning. I hope you can hear me okay. I apologise for the croaky 4am voice, but I'm Raf from Melbourne. Uh, how's the sound, Elizabeth? Is it okay? It's perfect. It's great. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. This is um, I'm a primary teacher librarian from Melbourne, Australia, recently qualified as a teacher librarian, completing my master's. So that was an incredible journey to achieve that um, in terms of e-audiobooks and e-books here in Australia um, in, I work in a K-12 private school and we back in 2016 towards the end of 2016 early 2017 we started dabbling in it and we purchased a few through Belinda Borrowbox uh, which is great um, because we were back then a one-to-one -one iPad school in the primary school, as in our year one or year two to year five, which is what our primary school is. And we felt that having the accessibility of e-book platform, of Borrowbox, for example, Belinda, was wonderful because I did that as part of my teaching in my lessons, that I stepped the students through how to set it up um, I modelled it um, and then I introduced a term called twin reading. So I would have a copy of the book with me and I would um, then also play it up on our interactive whiteboards, sometimes in my library lesson, just at the beginning of my lesson or towards the end. Again, rem as a reminder, I'm a primary teacher librarian and we had huge uptake of the audio the e-audio books as my little children still loved to have the hard copy of the book in front of them and with our eal students non-english speaking or newly arrived students to have them hear the pronunciation of words that they may not have heard yet is absolutely wonderful and to me that is the power of e-audio books Interestingly, we also have some e-books now with the Bolinda platform, but the uptake isn't as great because our students feel um, that the e-audio is what gravitates to them. And I also agree, I think, Ruth, if that was you who mentioned it, with 
our secondary students, our um, high school students, because we're one campus, we have the books that are on our book list for um, English. We also make available on the e-platform or e-audio if they have it. Um, we are moving now to have a second platform. We've now put up um, in Australia, it's called e-wheelers. I'm not sure if that's the same around the world. Um, because there's a consortium, so um, it's all new for me as well, so I'm learning about that, as in that there's a number of books. For example, we have um, book awards, and these were already automatically added to the consortium, so as a school, we didn't have to sit there and purchase those as an extra. So um, I'm not sure if that's of any interest or advice, but anyway, that's yeah, no, me that's... from Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely. It's really good to hear. It's interesting to hear that the uptake of the audio is is actually quite high over there. I would suggest that over here it's maybe not quite so much. Um, Sabrina, can I bring you in? You had your hand up before. Yeah, I'm trying to think why. <laughs> um, I can't remember why at all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> can you remember what you were going to say? Yeah, I can, I'm afraid. Um, always. Um, yeah, really that um, there's a, the difference. I've just added it to the chat. There's a difference between e-audio books and e-books because there's a platform issue with e-books. And it's one that we we come up against with our students. They're happy to read e-audio books on an e-reader. But you can't, you know, not everything is compatible with Kindle. And if you've got not a Kindle, then not everything is compatible with Kobo or whatever. Whereas the audiobooks run on an app. And so they'll run on your phone. And because you're not trying to read on the screen, people aren't put off by that. They're happy to listen on any device they've got, but they don't necessarily want to read on that device. And that's a, that is quite a big problem for the platforms, I think, of e-audio, of e-books. I only read e-books on a Kindle because I like to read it's a nice device to read on uh, but I will listen to anything on my phone on in the car wherever uh, an audiobook and I think that's very different for the two things yeah no I'd agree I think um one of the one of the things that that we were you know so children reading ebooks in school um I was working in a primary school at the time that we were trying to promote and it would mean that every child had to have a device, which which across the school they didn't. Um, so, you know, for the library lesson that I was doing, I, you know, booked the, the I think it was iPads at the time. I'm not so sure. But anyway, I booked the iPads. Um, I showed them. I did a demonstration like Raf was talking about doing a demonstration on how to access it. We even created little library cards for ebook only, um, giving them exactly the information that they needed to access to to um, register and, and get on. Um, and and admittedly, when we did that, the uptake was was significant. Um, but in order to keep that impact, you had to accept that some students wouldn't have access to um, something to read from on, at home like like Ruth said um, and 
you know, it is very difficult once it's out of sight or out of mind. I wonder if I could bring either Haley or Alison back in to talk about how we maybe promote um, ebook collections within within a school setting. Do you do either of you have any ideas of ways that we could do? I know that Alison was maybe saying that there are this promotion material that that you share. Is 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 that the best way forward? Haley, do you want to come in? Sure. Um, I mean, yes, we produce bookmarks and quick start guides and things like that to hand out. And um, some of those bookmarks are designed specifically for children. So have children's titles on them, children's collection. Um, and, and all of that material has very simple step by step to encourage people to have a look if they haven't had a look at, at um the app before um so that works really really well um you know and and displays um we have borrow box cubes that go on tops of of shelves and things like that and usually that encourages people to say oh what's that you know tell me about that um so that's one angle of um approach is is the sort of that visual aspect so where you were talking about um you know the the visual aspect of the individual books to a certain level you can overcome that with the marketing material if you've got posters and things that have got book jackets on to show look at these fabulous titles that are in the collection come and have a look at the rest of them um so that visual aspect but also then um you know certainly was talking to Alison the other day about um different ways to sort of engage the the student population via the teaching staff and the parents um, and, and going with that approach as well. I would agree. I think parents are so uh, key to all of this. It's like it's like anything, isn't it? We we used to go to um, parents evening and stand with leaflets that that told the parents all the um, online resources that the children could access um, so that so that when their children came home at night and went, I can't find any information on at least the parents had the leaflet to say, have you had to look on Britannica online or whatever it was that we, that we were promoting at the time. It's that physical, that relationship between parents and, and the library is such an important one. Sabrina, have you got your hand up? Can you remember what you're going to say now? No, it's something new, I'm afraid. Um, I'm actually doing a lesson on how to use our, uh, we have the e-platform library at the moment, which I might actually change for borrow box because it sounds really cool um but i do a library lesson on it with um all my year sevens and year eights so they all know how to get on they're all told their username and password and then how to search the system how to change the font and the background of the book that they're borrowing uh, for our dyslexic readers and those with eyesight issues like myself so i do a whole session on it for all the students and I find that's a really good way just so that they register that there's an online library because like you say there's not much physical presence with something that is just an extra box on the home page of wherever it is on the school website um, so that might be something that librarians might want to just throw in for half an hour here we go this is how we borrow books or audio books absolutely I think that's so true Hayley do you want to come back in yeah, so you you just reminded me of something, and I, um, as a sort of side shoot of what you're saying there about um, you know, giving delivering that that short lesson on how to this is look at all these fabulous things, but also a really key thing, um, 
when you think about the digital side, um, and this applies to to all age groups, but you know certainly will be uh, specific for for children as well. Is um, with the digital side, if if there's something you want to read about that maybe you're a little bit uncomfortable about people knowing that you want to read about that, um, something that you want to learn about. There's lots of non-fiction titles out there and well-being titles out there now as well, um, and and we do find that a lot of people say, well, do you know what? I'm much more comfortable borrowing that digitally um, because then I'm not standing in a queue to check out a book at a library that other people are seeing me holding and stuff. You know, not that there should be any hang up about that, but obviously people will potentially feel a bit uncomfortable um, with others knowing what they're reading. So um, that can really open up a lot of um the, the sort of more well-being and, and self-help side, if, if you want to call them, them that, um, for children and for adults too, which is a really key thing for, for, that we found with Borrowbox. Absolutely. It's, uh, that's such a good point is the fact that, is that, fact that we're trying to be inclusive and, and protect the health and well-being of our students. And, and yeah, being able to read something that, you're, that doesn't, isn't obvious that you're reading is important. Raf, can I bring you back in? Hi, Elizabeth and everyone. Um, just to add to the conversation around book promotion, e-book and e-audio promotion, we use a little strategy in our library because we are a K to 12, well, U2 to 12 library in the one um, campus. We've created these little, we bought a whole heap of these little um, sign boxes that stand up from IKEA and we designed it to say, um, also available on BorrowBox. So, and we place them near or above, if there's room, physically near the physical copy of the book. Um, and also we have a school newsletter that goes out once a fortnight and we in the library are active on that school newsletter and part of that is to promote what's new in our e-book collection and e-audio collection as well. And we find that we have... Um, teachers as well on staff because really if the teachers are aware of what you have in that collection because you're right if they physically can't see it or pick it up and they won't know so having a visual presence in your school newsletter is active is um, a wonderful idea and also the same thing you mentioned Elizabeth I do attend um, parent information nights or we call them literacy evenings here um, and I am actively with our literacy coordinator reminding them to say, um, if especially for teachers who haven't physically read the book and want to discuss it with their class, if it's a suitable text, I say, grab it, it's on BorrowBox, just download it, listen to it, go for a walk, put it on, <laughs> just to encourage them because we know teachers are so busy and staff and but we still want to get these ebooks into their hands. So there are a few little strategies and I'm constantly promoting them as well as part of my role, because I think that our advocacy of them is is huge. Um, yeah, so it's just little points from me. Thank you. Absolutely, and I think that that is 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 an important point. Is the fact that you know we promote and uh, engage and support our students in our physical collections by the fact that that school librarians are knowledgeable about the collection and what's there. And that has to be the same thing, I suppose, with the e-audio collections, the fact that you need to be equally as enthusiastic about the fact that, that they're there. Um, 
I've just noticed where can I, I oh sorry I was going to add Oh, my apologies, sorry. Uh, just a one thing, Haley, that I really like about the ebook platform when I'm teaching as a modelled lesson is I, I use the same strategies as when I'm teaching about a new book. And you know, I really like the blurb features going in and encouraging the students to, um, before they select the book, to download either ebook or e audio. Uh, and I think that's part of our teaching strategy as well to model, model the same. Uh, and I do that for the teachers as well because they'll say, Raph, what's this book about? As I'm sure all of us get told all the time, do you think this is suitable, Raph? Or, or you know, what age group is this for? And it's, a, again, modelling to them, read the blurb. Oh, where's the blurb? Yes, e-books have a blurb. It's all there. <laughs> and sometimes you feel you really need to be direct and specific because it is a new medium for um, users, including teachers who may not actually... I'm not sure if it's the same on Kindle because I don't use we don't use that platform, but um, really, re I really, really push that at my school as well. Anyway, sorry, enough from me now. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's perfectly fine, Raph. It's great. Um, Ruth, can I bring you back in? Yeah, that reminded me of one of the other things that I love about uh, ebooks and e audiobooks is the ability to have a sample, and I it's brilliant for students because it's more than the blurb and it's not the publisher trying to sell it it's can you do you get engaged enough in the book by the end of the sample that you want to read more and one of the things I always say to my students is if the book doesn't grip you put it down and start again you know with something different but they're not those kinds of kids but if they've only bought the sample or if they're only listened or read the sample but they you know they're not engaged enough to go on and read the whole thing, then there's the answer. And that's a really, I think that's a brilliant thing it, uh, it, that you can't get or you don't get elsewhere uh, in the same way. And it's a bit like that, read the blurb. It's go and listen to a bit, see what you think, go and read a bit, just enough and see how you go. Absolutely. So, so, so thank you all for, for joining us and speaking and we will continue talking. I just want to interrupt us slightly this evening to say that we have a few people listening this evening. If you do want to join in the conversation, you just have to press the request to speak um, and we will bring you up if you want to tell us about your ebook collections or if you have any questions while you're here, um, please feel free to come and join us. Um, there is a very special purple, it's purple on my screen, um, question uh, bubble um which now means that you can message us directly so if you're not brave enough to actually speak to us um, and you'd like to ask us a question if you press that bubble and type in it, it pops up so that we can see it um so while i'm waiting for you all to rush to to come and um, request to speak i'll just follow with one more sort of question um to keep us going this evening and it's and it's about that and we've touched on it a little bit this evening about the benefit of directing students to the public library collection. Um, now, Hayley is the public library. Can you tell us if if you find that there are... So what is the question? Do you find that schools do do that a lot? Or, or would you say that a student who has a collection in their own school is better off? I suppose I know what, what the answer to that is going to be. But, but as a public library person, 
would you say that students use lots of lots of students use the the collections Hayley come on in um well it's kind of swings and roundabouts I guess um there's there are quite a lot of of schools yes that will be working directly with their public libraries on other things um you know so they have contacts there and and um they've had those conversations about setting up um the children with library cards if they don't have them already um and and that that works very well for them um you know they they are obviously using a collection there that lots of other people are using as well um so you know the i guess the diff- the main difference really between the public using the public library collection for the pupils and having an individual school collection is that the individual school collection you know that's that's bespoke to the particular type of content and age groups that you want to cater for and the particular type of balance for um e audio compared to ebooks in terms of numbers of titles in the collection and stuff so it's it's effectively a bespoke collection a bit like just another um format within your school library as you have your cd audiobooks sat next to your print books you know it's it's that sort of um comparison uh, the public library collections are used by quite a lot of people. So there'll be a certain level of, of perhaps more reserves on higher demand titles um, using it that way. But, you know, that's that's the nature of, of libraries is, um, you know, you wait for the, the previous person to bring the book back um, before you can borrow it with any format, I guess. I think that that's a really good point to make on this public platform is that people assume that because it's an online version that there are many many copies and everybody can borrow them at the same time it's really important to get that message out there that that it's just like having a physical copy one book one borrower um and you know but we seem to make that assumption that because there are several copies that that there are um that it's an online version, that there must be more than one person can borrow at a time. Come back in, Hayley. Absolutely. And that's um, a really important thing, you know, when when we're talking about um, the digital lending is is to think of it in a similar way as, as the print books. You know, if, if that author um, needs to be able to earn their keep, I guess, so they can write the next title in the series. And so um, for library lending versions of books, there has to be some sort of comparable um, setting to to the print book, um, you know, in order for them to, to earn their living. Um, so although, you know, you think of digital and you think, well, they're all floating around in the sky, they don't need to be kept on a shelf, there's no um, space limits, and obviously that's, that's the case, but um, there are then um, budgetary limits, I guess, um, according to the, each individual customer, and that will dictate the size of, of the collection because we all want the authors to get paid. Absolutely, and that's really important, isn't it? It's the fact that a, an ebook doesn't fall apart. An ebook doesn't, um, you know, get water damaged. An, an ebook is there forever. And actually, the the ebook collection, um, and I can't think of the word, but the the structure of 
buying an ebook is is such or it was such and, and I might be wrong now but but that you that you a library could buy a book an ebook for 24 months or so many loans I don't know whether that's still right um maybe oh, good I'm getting I'm getting a love heart so it must be right <laughs> um and that is because yeah the the author's still need being paid so so it does you know that definitely needs to be taken into account when when school libraries are are thinking about creating an e-book collection or an audio collection um i personally don't have any more questions this evening oh hayley come back in please sorry i was i was just going to say yeah absolutely um those those settings are you know public publisher specific so they'll vary across um the, the different um publishers content but absolutely um that is the case and that is something um to bear in mind um and you know the pricing of the different things and and you know that again um dictates the size of the collection and again can dictate whether a school can consider setting up their own individual collection or or would be more comfortable utilizing the public library collection and, and will always help with those decisions you know if anyone does approach us um you know and can put people in touch with the public libraries teams that we know um if that's if that's the way that people want to go as well so yeah something to bear in mind actually while you're there one more question one of the things that that people also assume is because every book is um is every book as a, an audio ebook they aren't are they and and sometimes you just can't get hold of a book in that version in that format yes yeah absolutely the ins and outs in, i mean we could we could talk for hours and hours on all the different <laughs> variations of of rights agreements across different formats and things like that but um yeah absolutely when you're looking at library lending rights versions as opposed to trade so end user rights versions um you know they're different things as well so um there is there is that side to to take into account but um you know a huge amount is available um in, in both formats if you if you want to to have them both absolutely and i've just had just read a a, a message from Raf saying the wonderful thing about audiobooks is that they return automatically and there are no overdue notices that will ring um true for all, for all those school librarians who have to send out overdue notices regularly for the normal books they they there's none of that which is which is a real pleasure isn't it on a on an e an audiobook um i'm going to um before i bring tonight to a close i just want to tell you that um, our next session will be on the 10th of October and we're going to be thinking about and talking about reading for learning. Um, is it different from reading for pleasure? Uh, it will be the same time as tonight. <clears throat> we will hopefully have some guests um, but if you want to join us then please set yourselves a reminder so that on the 10th of October reading for learning is it different from reading for pleasure? Um, I want to thank you all for joining us this evening. Um, I'm just going to ask if um, Alison or Hayley want to say one final thing about ebooks before we finish. So let's start with Alison. Thank you very much for joining us tonight and giving us your time. Uh, do you have any finishing remarks for us? 
Yeah, well, you're very welcome. I'm very grateful that Hayley was here with all her wealth of knowledge. But I'm, <laughs> it, I think she's been incredible. Um, yes, I would just say always think about the accessibility of audio, particularly, and the wonderful uh, narrators that 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 are used to. Um, to, to engage with the children and older readers so right across all education so when children are reading also classics for set texts and so on that it really helps them to engage with the book so it's such a wonderful medium for them and um and I think something that really needs embracing I I I, I can't I, I I'm in I'm I'm a convert myself and I just think it's a, a wonderful way of getting children engaged and you know even even at, uh, children or young people that are going off to university and have to have a big long reading list they can read the classics they can hear them and you know prepare to go off to university with an audiobook and equally I say accessibility for children who you know, maybe don't have anyone that reads to them, but this they're just so wonderful. So yes, embrace audio is what I would say, and E, which comes as a result. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I must admit, I must admit, I'm a, I'm a like I said earlier, I'm a bit of a convert, and and I'm finding that I'm actually now able to read the classics, which yeah. I struggled with before because the print is so small. But yeah. on a on a um on a kindle or whatever it, it, you can have it whatever size you want yes yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. audio audio isn't just you know isn't the electronic version of the book being read it, it's what we've got wonderful actors and and uh, you know narrators reading them and they're fabulous That's, you know absolutely so. it does certainly make such a difference that audio doesn't it on, on who's yeah. reading it it's a great it's a great book if they keep you engaged you know yeah. it's not so such a good book if you've falling asleep halfway through so so absolutely makes such a difference doesn't it so create a reader for life because then you probably pick up the book <laughs> absolutely <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much Alison Hayley can I bring you back in for one final um finishing remark absolutely um I would echo pretty much what Alison was saying there but really very much emphasis um on on audiobook as a format particularly with um, you know the trends what we're seeing across the industry um, in publishing as a standard don't don't forget the audiobook you know when you're talking about digital and then everyone has their, their tendency to say ebooks don't forget about the audiobooks it is really really key um you know and and very much works for me um and works for a lot of other people um bedtime story if your eyes are too tired at the end of the day to pick up your book and you love reading why not have Stephen Fry or Miriam Margulies read that book to you um and Absolutely. save your eyes so you know I, I can imagine that quite a lot of you will have um borrow box in your public library wherever you are so if you haven't picked it up I'd urge you to have a go um and and just pick up an audiobook and give it a try it'll open up many worlds absolutely do you know i find uh, i love having these spaces chats because i always learn something new and when i started this conversation this evening i certainly was planning and prepared to talk about ebooks audiobooks wasn't even on my radar and you're so right audio is so so important and it's wonderful to hear that it's that it's it, that it's you know making such an impact on people 
hugely important. Certainly reading, a, reading, listening to a book is definitely reading in my, in my book. Absolutely. <laughs> say, you know, so thank you so much for joining me, Hayley. Um, Raf, thank you so, so much for getting up so early. I think you're on holiday this week, are you? Uh, yes, wonderful. We are on um, spring school holiday. So thank you for sending over some warm weather. We are in desperate need. We need to thaw out. Um, so, yes, it is school holiday. So it's just magically I just actually just woke up and checked my phone. Um, my husband actually woke me. But anyway, we won't go into that. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so, yes, it was it's actually a pleasure. I learned so much from this community being a new teacher librarian, um, only seven years out of 33 years of teaching. So I'm a con constant learner. So thank you, Elizabeth, for your advocacy as well. And um, this platform certainly does allow for greater um, depth of conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Sabrina, do you want to finish off with anything? Is there anything you'd want to add? Um, I've just loaded up BorrowBox on my iPad to start listening to audiobooks at work. Does that help? Fantastic. <laughs> That's a really good, really good outcome. And Ruth, do you want to finish us off? Uh, no, I'm really pleased the conversation got round to EU audiobooks because that's my passion um, and something I've advocated for long and hard. And I thought we were definitely steering away from it. So I'm really pleased that we've got round there. So fantastic this evening. Thank you. So thank you again for everybody for joining us and, and sticking with us. Um, you know, do come back and join us in a couple of weeks time where we will be talking for read about reading for learning. I'm Elizabeth Hutchinson. I am a trainer and advisor for school libraries. If you want to know more about what I do, please head over to my website, which is uh, e elizabethahutchinson.com. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and we will see you on the 10th of October. Good night.